Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peverell. I'm not joined by my usual co-host, Marky D. Marky Davison. He's a bit unwell, but also I am joined by my BTS colleague, Andrew Wilbar, the man that knows all about the draft, fantasy, and more. And I'm very excited to have him on today's show. So, Andrew, welcome to Steelers Touch Down Under. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And so um, we know the off-season is, you know, as Jeff Hartman likes to call it, it's those dog days of summer. Um, I know you do the fantasy um, or the, the Steelers fix um, with Jeremy Betts. And I know you guys are moving into some of that fantasy world. You've obviously done a lot around it between the draft fix. Um, you write across the website. So um, just, you know, for some of those listeners that might, not listen to get across that show or might be new to that show or what have you. Um, what are you and what are you and Mr. Betts looking to do going into the season? Cause obviously you did some awesome stuff around the draft. I think we're going to be kind of doing a combination. I haven't talked a whole lot to Jeremy. I know we're going to be doing some weekly fantasy advice, start him, sit him type stuff like that. But we may also get a little bit into the draft, just kind of breaking down what we see in the college games that we're watching as the season unfolds, just kind of giving little draft tidbits here and there. Many guys we see rising, guys we see falling. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, a bit similar to what we what we did with Warham as well. Well, that's fantastic. So I know we've only got you for about 25 more minutes or so. Um, and then I'll be doing some Q&A with the live chat. But um, this the, the topic of this week's show really, um, for the, those listening live and those listening back on the audio side, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere where they get their podcasts, you and I wanted to look at some of the, I guess, the impactful moments of the off-season so far, um, if we can, and, and sort of even potentially even rank them as well um, as we talk through them. So starting at... I guess the the lowest um, or the smallest impactful moment. Um, what? Yeah. What, how would you kick that off? What? Like? Yeah. Tell us one of your impactful moments of the off season so far, and then I'll uh, give you a take on one of mine. Well, one that I think is very underrated was the signing of Terrell Edmonds. Not so much just signing him, but for the price that they were able to sign him for. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's one of the best bargains in the NFL right now. He's done a phenomenal job covering tight ends. And that was the Achilles heel for the Steelers defense for many years before him. Um, so he's exactly what the Steelers need. He's the perfect compliment to Minka. Um, very happy to see him come back for another year. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, definitely wasn't on my list, but I'm glad you've gone. I'm so, a little bit surprised, um, but also it's cool that you've gone defense first. I I completely agree with you. I think that's a it's a tremendous deal that they got him for. I often comp- I often say to people when you know there's that analogy around Terrell Edmonds, you know, not being a first round pick and what have you. There's actually, I mean, you'd know this. There's Pro Football Reference have that AV score or that AV metric that they attribute to people. Uh, and a couple of years ago, they basically went back and looked at all the first round draft picks at the by the position and measured that AV and, and created an average of over their rookie contract. And for a safety, I think it was like f- about five flat and he his was about five one two. So he actually is over delivered on being a first round safety, which might not speak a lot for first round safeties drafted in the last decade, but it certainly speaks a lot for where he sort of stacks up in that mix. So it's quite interesting. No, really like you brought up um, Terrell Edmonds there. I think for me, um, and it, it's hard when you, you're sort of ranking them better. For me, it's Brian Flores. I think, you know, it'd be hard not to put him on that list, but it's very hard uh, not to necessarily 
um, you know, rank where that is right now because we don't know that impact. Obviously, you know, we have had Terrell Austin move up to um, defensive coordinator and, and, and whether 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 he's going to do as much as he was going to do before Flores came in the building, it's hard to say. But the fact that a lot of players are already talking about the impact of Brian Flores on this team is is pretty interesting for me in terms of, you know, you are coached by Mike Tomlin. We all we all rave about the coaching that Mike Tomlin um, provides So um, and that mentorship. So, yeah, I don't know. For you, is, 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 does that does that Flores, um, I guess, acquisition, does, it, does that rank anywhere for you? What are your thoughts about that? You know, what sort of impact do you think he, he might drive for the Steelers this offseason? I mean, this season of 2022. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely, it wasn't the necessarily the line of thinking when we you brought up the topic to me. I wasn't even really thinking about the hire of Brian Flores since, you know, he wasn't the defensive coordinator, wasn't, you know, hired as the head coach, but very impactful. I mean, you just think of the impact Keith Butler had on the linebackers and his ability to scheme up blitzes. Brian Flores is really just as good, if not better overall than what Keith Butler was. Um, and I think he's gonna be fantastic in that role. You have a defensive secondary guru in Terrell Austin. I think they're going to gel really well together, but I wanted to ask you, what would you be more excited about keeping Brian Flores around with the potential of him maybe rising up the charts on the defensive side of the ball to maybe a future coordinator, maybe even, I don't think he's, Tomlin's going anywhere, but do you, would you rather keep him around or would you rather see him get another head coaching job and the Steelers be able to get a couple draft picks? It's a great question. I don't think he is, has been brought in to replace Mike Tomlin. Like when that all sort of came, there was that sort of talk track going around social media and Steelers pundits and that sort of stuff. Like all the, at least the question was being asked and, you know, I, I, I didn't agree with that. Uh, I think, it's hard to it, like the, the thing for Brian Flores is you kind of got to go. What's the future at the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because if the defense sucks, well, he's part of that, right? He's this special assistant to the defense, right? So I think from that perspective, it's hard to say. It's also whether Terrell Austin after a, might not like the Steelers setup. I'd be shocked because they would have found that out, you know, to date or through the recruiting process, unless he was to get offered. Maybe the defense is really good and he gets offered a coaching job, but Again, you know, without getting into the other situations that are going on, it would be odd for Terrell Austin to get a job and Brian Flores to not get a job. Um, I, uh, on a different um, podcast network, put in a question recently and, or, or a hot take that if the Steelers have a top 10 defense um, and they win a playoff game this season, that Brian Flores could be the coach of the, Patri um, <laughs> the Patriots next season, right? It, particularly if Belichick, Belichick misses the playoffs. Now, that's a pretty crazy prediction, but you've got to think he he is going to be um, out there and in top of mind for a lot of the, the better organizations, let's say. I mean, he, he has a pretty decent record and what he was able to do in Miami was pretty good. However, as we've seen with Deshaun Watson, and I know they're very two very different topics, but legal cases don't get resolved quickly, particularly the legal cases where you like sue a league and you sue an owner. Um, and so... I think this is a two-year proposition, which is great for the Steelers. It's great for their young coaches because a lot of you know young coaches, even if it's by their experience. And so, yeah, I mean the Steelers are getting you know maybe we'll get some picks out of it, and that's great. But I mean, if we win a couple of playoff games and we're in the hunt, um, you know, for that seventh Lombardi, to me that's bigger than getting a couple of 
draft picks. And that's very, feels like heresy to say it, but like at the end of the day, it's about winning football games on the field. And that's what they brought him in to do. And I think it's exciting and there's less pressure on him. He's not the head coach. He can go in and, you know, weave his magic in wherever he needs it. Um, Sounding board for Mike Tomlin, which is one of the first things Mike Tomlin said um, about the benefit of the acquisition of, of all the, or bringing in Brian, Brian Flores. So for me, that's pretty big. Um, and it also shows, I think, too, Jeffrey Benedict and I talked a little bit about this. Um, and so I have done with Rich Schofield as well, um, both live and off air before around whether Mike Tomlin employs yes men or no men, that is coaches that are going to contest him versus coaches that are going to just follow and, and go with it. And if you bring in a guy like Brian Flores, that's a really good thing because that shows that you're willing to take in new ideas um, you know, and, and, and learn off other people. And you don't just need people nodding and going along with, you know, what the status quo or whatever the new thing that you want to bring in as the head coach. Um, but great question. <laughs> no one's asked me that question. So that's awesome. All right. Um, if we go moving up the list, what's your, you know, um, next, you know, most impactful moment of the season as we head toward the most of all impactful moments? I would say another thing that really stuck out to me was the, Offensive line acquisitions in that first week of free agency when the Steelers brought in Mason Cole and James Daniels. And James Daniels has gotten a lot of the attention, but Mason Cole, I think, is the perfect signing for what the Steelers need in a center. After last year's debacle with Kendrick Green, it allows Green to take a step back. Maybe the, we know the Steelers are trying him out at guard. We'll see how that works out. But allows Green to take a step back. The pressure's now off. And Mason Cole, he's not ever going to be a you know a top three center in the NFL but he's very consistent and he's displayed consistency really throughout his entire career. And that's what the Steelers need right now. They just need some stability, something that they can expect. Uh, have a, just to have reasonable expectations early on. I think he's a great fit for just the situation the Steelers are in right now with a lot of transition on that offensive line. I think he's going to provide stability in year one and maybe down the line. Yeah. So <laughs> nice pun there. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, interesting, you brought up you know the offensive line there. Like I had, I had James in at the fourth spot. Um, James Daniels there, and at the fourth spot for me, if I was ranking them top five. Um, so yeah, I think there's some perfect alignment there, and, and it was sort of you know feeling more confident about that O line was sort of the thing that was ringing in my head. But that was typified really by the James Daniels uh, signing. So interesting, we've got some overlap there. I agree with you. I think they're both you know, great signings. I, I personally have a little bit more time for Kendrick Green um, in, you know, that development process. I think, you know, the, the Steelers put him in a pretty tough position um, there in some ways. And I know, you know, they could get going when the going gets tough, but the the reality is it's, it's, that is an interesting transition for him to have to make on a very um, unstable offensive line. If you think we'd had the line from a couple of years beforehand and you insert a Kendrick Green, well, then maybe. Um, I think we sometimes skip over when, I mean, no disrespect to Ramon Foster and Mark, you know, and Mike Gilbert that, you know, did really well, Mark Gilbert, sorry, that did really well, but, you know, they stepped into a line where there were some very good players that were experienced that were able to, you know, make that cohesive. And last year's offensive line was a, a fourth round draft pick in Dan Moore Jr., Chooks, who, you know, some of us have differing opinions to the Steelers. Uh, you know, you've got Trey Turner coming toward the end of, you know, any sort of, you know, real you know, starter, you know, um, you know, I guess that, that starter, you know, top form. Um, and then you have a guy like, you know, Kevin Dotson, who's still developing himself and, you know, suffered some injuries. So 
I think it's an uh, for me. I like the, that they were confident in who they brought in. I, I agree with you. I think Mason Cole's got something like 40, 48 games of experience. That that's a couple of years there that brings in that takes the pressure off Green. Um, but I I think for me as well, it's exciting. Is Green Green will start games on this line. Um, he will be for me the the backup at least um, at guard and probably the backup there at center potentially. But I I actually think it's good to bring competition. I think a guy like Green and his character and what we've seen to date. Um, you know, should really thrive in that sort of competition. So we might see a much better Kendrick Green. And either way, at the end of the day, we need someone giving the ball cleanly, um, you know, to the quarterback, particularly if it's Kenny Pickett. I still think, you know, there's some centers out there, some experienced centers they should go after um, as well. So, um, and if there's some cuts that are made, there's still, I, I, I wouldn't lock down the center position with Cole and Green right now. But I agree with you. Like the, the the acquisition pair of Daniels and Cole is huge. It's funny. I was going to say Daniels, and we spent more time talking about Cole and Green. <laughs> go Michigan, go Blue. That's yeah, yeah. Um. So, what do you have another? What, what's your next sort of ranked impactful moment? Your, I guess, number three. If we were doing five of them. I went Ben Roethlisberger's retirement here, and I could understand, you know, if someone put that as the top one just based off the impact of a, a player of Roethlisberger's caliber calling it quits. But I think we kind of all expected it to happen this year, which is why I don't have it higher on the list. Yeah. Um, but definitely just the impact that it makes. We saw the trickle-down effect with just all the flurry moves the Steelers made at quarterback, some of which we may we'll get into in a second. Um but just the legacy that he left here, I mean, in my opinion, can go down as the greatest Steelers quarterback um, in Steelers history. Um, and just the impact that he made um, in an era, you know, where, you know, really just the way it started coming in, being pushed in earlier than what people expected them to start and having so much early success, but being able to sustain that throughout a career. We see so many quarterbacks come in and, you know, show that early in their career, you know, they've got a lot of potential and then they slowly die down. We never saw that with Big Ben. Whenever he was healthy, he was reliable. He was so fun to watch when he was throwing people off his body and carrying five guys on his back. It was just awesome. You know, just his legacy and just meant so much to this organization. And it's, again, you know, like I went the Flores route and you went the Ben route and and I didn't put Ben's retirement in the, in the top five. I did have Pickett sort of as my, as my third, so my middle of the pack. If I had, I sort of sat down and we wrote top four, uh, top, top five. Um, we we're going to see how well you and I did to get through it in the show. And I think we might get there, which is great. Um, but I had Kenny Pickett, the, the drafting of Kenny Pickett there as number three. Um, I didn't have Trubisky in, in my rankings, um, but I did have I did have Kenny Pickett there because, you know, if he turns out to be the next guy, well, then obviously it was number one. If he doesn't, then it's still an impactful moment because you missed with the first round draft pick and you missed on the next qu- quarterback. Um, not that I think that's going to be the case necessarily, but when you look when you look at it for me, like you know, they've had time to adjust to Ben, but you're right. Like there's so many highlights I've even seen in the last two months, like just 30 second videos that do the round on social media or you know, someone shows a clip of something somewhere. And like it's Big Ben in his prime, and it's as you said, throwing guys off his off the off his back. And there's stats that you can, you know, that there, there was one stat that I saw that compared him in like the fourth quarter to other, you know, other quarterbacks in the first six years of his career or something like that. It was it was brought up during like a playoff game. Um and yeah, you know, it was like a sort of a repeat of the sort of pregame preview. And you just look back on it and you're like, 
those last sort of three to five years, just apart from, I know he threw 5,000 yards in 2017, but it wasn't that like classic Big Ben. You know, there was kind of two Big Bens by the end of it. And as a, as a Steeler fan, it, it, you know, particularly, you know, one of your and my age, like we were quite young when, um, you know, when, when he was sort of in that, prime's probably the wrong word, but the, the earlier years of his career where he was doing more of that, I guess, taking a bit more risk, um, at least in letting the pocket collapse, not necessarily throwing the ball. I think he held, you know, kept on the risk side there for a while. But, you know, it, it is really interesting when you look back at that with that retirement and how impactful that is for the organization. And I think, you know, Steel fans, because we knew it was coming, because we've had almost a year to, you know, really digest that, um, you don't really think about it as for some people going into this season. And you lose a franchise quarterback, that's a big deal. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, now, obviously, I, I, for me, I, I mentioned there Kenny Pickett, and you sort of got a, a feel for why I thought that was an impactful moment. Um, do you have any other quarterbacks on your sort of you know list of impactful moments? I do, because kind of the one I had second is my second most impactful move was the signing of Trubisky because I love the fit that he is in Matt Canada's offense, which is with the motion, being able to play under center, being able to move outside the pocket. It all plays to Trubisky's strengths, and I am so hopeful that he'll get at least one full year to be able to prove himself. I mean, I'm one of the ones who believes that he had a nice recovery in Buffalo. Um, He was in just a good situation there behind Josh Allen, got to sit and learn. I mean, he's kind of a poor man's Josh Allen in some ways. Um, They have similar style of play. Uh, I just really think that it was a good mental reset for him. Cause really, it, you know, he has all the tools. It was just all mentally. He just got yes. a bad start right off the beginning. The bears overdrafted him. Bears fans knew it and bears fans really didn't give him a fair shot afterward. I mean, he was getting booed, I believe at the United center um, not long after he was drafted, you know, like a month after he was drafted and, you know, obviously he'd never played a game with the bears yet and was already being booed by fans. And that just, that hurts a quarterback's confidence early in his career. And we saw him kind of get rejuvenated with Matt Nagy that first year. But then after that started to taper off when he was on such a short leash by those fans, anytime he made a mistake, they wanted to pick at him because yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were drafted after him. Yes, they were, but really we've seen Trubisky at his best. And when Trubisky's at his best, he can lead a team to the playoffs and take a team somewhere. And if it weren't for double doink, who knows what would have happened in that playoffs. You know, so I, I'm excited for Trubisky. He has a better team overall than what he did in Chicago, and I think he's going to do really well and surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I you know, it, I love that. I, f- I forgot who said in the offseason. I think it was, I think it was Brian. Yeah, it was bad, but he talked about you know if you, you weren't in a time machine, you said the Steelers, you know, we're going to get the best free agent quarterback and the you know um, one of the top quarterbacks in the draft, depending on who you talk to. Um, you know, you'd be pretty happy with that, right? Like, you'd be pretty happy with that, you know, uh, and not need a top 10, you know, draft pick to get one of those top those top quarterbacks. I think you're right, like, with Trubisky as well, because, you, you know, yes, there was guys like just Sean Watson in that in that draft class, but if you're not picked in that top five, if you don't go number one overall, there's obviously a lot less pressure. Um, and so I think, you know, Trubisky had that. Look at the way Steelers fans feel about Mason Rudolph. Look at the way, you know, fans have felt, about many different picks that have gone through this league uh, and you know, how quick we are to criticize. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think Trubisky is a – he was a hard one to keep off the list. However, because of this team, the way it was built elsewhere, they were either always going to draft, a, you know, a decent quarterback or find make an acquisition to get one. Like, to me, the confidence in going and trading for Minka means that 
I, I, I never discount what this team might do on the trade market. Like in the preview last night, Jeff Hartman mentioned the best trade being Jerome Bettis. And I think you have to say that today. But if Minka, if we win a Super Bowl with Minka and he ends up in the Hall of Fame, I think it's hard not to say Minka. I mean, look at the impact of what he does on that team. So, um, and I know we don't have you for too much longer. So I want to get through a couple, a couple more if we can. Um, what was your next most impactful moment um, of the offseason? Well, we're now right up to the top on mine, and that was the drafting of Kenny Pickett. You know, okay. I, hey, I already promised, I already promised Maddie, I'm not going to make this any Malik Willis talk. I'm not going to. But when you're just talking about the impact, you know, whether good or bad, like you said earlier, um, you know, I agree with whether we hit or miss, the impact is going to be felt for years. Um, if the Steelers hit and Kenny Pickett keeps this team a contender for many years to come, obviously, uh, many, including myself, are going to be happy about the selection. If he doesn't work out, who knows how quickly it'll be until we're back talking about quarterbacks again. I certainly hope it's not this time next year. But, you know, in 2024, are we already talking about quarterback 2025 draft? You know, I, I mean, I, I haven't looked that far down the list in terms of draft prospects. Um, Mate, we, it's, my, we, it's my man, the Texas Longhorns, the guy that's going to bring Arch. us back to the It's Arch. I said it to Jeffrey Benedict about four weeks ago. I said, all, all that's going to happen is if Pickett fizzles out, Arch Manning will go to the Longhorns. We'll be ready in like 2025, 2026. Steelers and then Peyton will Manning him. will buy the team. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, what would you think if Peyton Manning actually bought the Steelers? He's probably one of the few people I trust with it, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But the problem I think with Manning as an owner is can he stay away? Right. Look at what look at the uh, challenges Elway's had. And Elway, yeah, I, I, this is funny because he brought in Manning, but they won that championship on defense. They didn't win it because of the quarterback, right? So that would be my only, that'd be the tough thing that I think that that uh, uh, ex franchise quarterback would have to deal with is really like, can you stay away? Can you let the people do the right thing? you know, don't be a Jerry Jones and put your fingers in every pie and then everything comes out smelling like crap and moldy. Like, you know, so. Well, if he yeah. drafts Arch, we'll be good for 15 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what? Imagine if he held the number one pick. You just, you, I, I'd, I'd trade it just for fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to like rev everyone up. But, Imagine um, the family gatherings at the holiday time. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that physically it's it, the, the reason his rating is high to get into that. So everyone realizes that is it's the people are factoring the cerebral element of the game and, and the unteachables and the intangibles, but like the, the other physical traits are great, but they're not necessarily the best that's going around there in college right now. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite an interesting scenario there. Um, but yeah, I think that that is interesting on the picket side. I had, I had the other couple and I want to get your opinion on them. Second on my list was the signing of Larry Ogan Joby. I think for me, um, and I had him higher than, and people say, Matt, you had him higher than Flores. That's really interesting to me. He solidifies that defensive line. If we didn't have Flores and we still brought in Ogan Joby, I think all of us would be sitting here really happy. And I think for me, it fills a massive gap. It means they're not going to rush to Marvin Leal. It, you know, people forget we only had seven sacks last year. If you insert Ogan Joby into that mix and you get him doing, I know that, you know, there are slightly different players, but if you get him doing some of those things, if you can set Wormley up to get seven sacks, well, I'm pretty excited with what you can do with Ogan Joby, right? Um, and to it needed probably a bit of freshening up. I love to it. 
Um, but Ogun Joby, someone I've been a fan on for a, of a long for a long time. It's been no secret of that. Someone I talked about back in on the um back in March, I was talking about the acquisition of Ogun Joby for a couple of minutes on more room, but just sort of went under the radar. Um, so are you, uh, you well, yeah, thoughts on Ogun Joby? Do you think he deserves to be one of the impactful moments of the offseason? Yeah, I agree. I thought about adding him to the list, and I don't have a problem with you having him that high because I was super high on him in 2017 when he was coming out. Loved his tape. Um, he is just a game wrecker. And with Carl Dunbar now, this is probably the best defensive line coach that he's ever worked with. Um, mm. I, I mean, like you said, he, he Carl Dunbar got seven sacks out of Chris Wormley, who coming out of college was not a good pass rusher at all. And really at the beginning of his career in Baltimore, he was not a good pass rusher at all. So just looking at how he's developed some of the guys, I mean, Tyson Alu-Alu, um, even that late in his career, got more out of Alu-Alu than anyone ever did. Imagine what I mean, look at Henry Mondo for, the, for you know, for his sake. Like, he, you know, he can actually play now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, Ogan Joby, I mean, I told Jeremy this on the podcast last week. If he's at his best, he's just as good as Stefan Tuitt in almost every facet. He's not quite as strong against the run when Tuitt was at his best. Um, but still, overall, the impact the Steelers could get from Ogan Joby. I mean, you're talking about potential pro bowler with Carl Dunbar's coaching. I'm super pumped for Ogan Joby. Yeah, I I'm just disappointed they didn't do two years and make it team Same. friendly for the second Same. year. Like this is gonna this is and then he would have been I think 30, 31, and then it would have been really good for the Steelers long term. So I'm a little bit upset about that. But hey, at least we can we're gonna get more cap. The cap's gonna go up. You know, if there's any rollover, like fans forget that the sometimes that the cap and even they, everyone talks about how much we've got left. If you don't spend it, then it rolls over. You know, these are the sorts of things you're thinking about. So the final one, and then I know we've got to say goodbye, and then I'm I'm here for Q&A with the live chat, which is something I've been looking forward to for a while, to just do a direct Q&A with you guys. Um, and it, it, I'm interested to get your take on this and whether you think this deserves number one. For me, it was fixing the wide receiver room and getting younger at the wide receiver room. Now, you lost Juju. Um, you know, we, the jury's out on Claypool. Deontay Johnson, everyone's talking about a new contract. You went out and you got a guy like George Pickens, and then you went out and got a guy like Calvin Austin the third. You didn't overdraft either of them. In fact, you probably got value at both positions, judging by any of the rankings and a lot of the lookbacks on the draft. You got two very different players, so you didn't get copycat players. You then went and got Boykin, who I think still has got something to prove in this league. You've got Anthony Miller, who everyone sleeps on. He he can do a lot of different things, particularly, you know, still even support the slot wide receiver position. I think he's a sort of a cheap and older um, Deontay Johnson at times as well. And yes, I, I know he doesn't have some of the special qualities of Deontay Johnson, but the X factor for Miller is that he's got that um, affinity with Mitch Trubisky. So for me, like I, I feel we've got, we've got tall players at wide receiver. We've got smaller guys that can run really fast and do different things. And, in, and you've got guys that are flexible that can integrate with the Matt Canada offense or this supposed offense we keep hearing about. But I have placed what fixing wide receiver room headlined by the two draft picks um, as my most impactful moment of the offseason so far. So that could be controversial. But yeah, how do you, how do you feel about that one? I, I, I agree. And the wide receivers, what's interesting is that now, like you said, there's so many different types in the wide receiver room. Claypool, he's... He ran a fast 40, but he's not really a true deep threat. 
he's physical, but he doesn't know how to use his body. He doesn't have the greatest body control, not the, you know, the most graceful going up for the ball as we saw last year at times. Um, but now if you move him into the slot where he's going to be a mismatch for a lot of teams, you still have Deontay in the X position. And then you have Pickens. I mean, if, I think if Pickens was fully healthy in another year removed from the ACL, I think he would have run at, you know, a low four, four, maybe even gotten into the four threes. That's what he was expected to run mm. a year before the ACL tear in the 40. So I think he could be that deep threat. The Steelers haven't had since Martavis Bryant. Um, I still think it's going to be a slow process. He's still getting back to full health. So you may not see a ton of production in year one, but I love him. I love what you said about Anthony Miller. I really hope he makes this roster makes just too much sense. And uh, don't forget about Steven Sims either. Another guy who's a really good route Correct. runner underneath. Yeah. 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 There's, and when you look at it, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's like, and then you've got Gunnar O and, you know, I think more return man, but there's like seven or eight guys and you're not even counting some of the people that might get cut or moved on or what have you. So it's, I just think if you compare this wide receiver room to what we had last year, where Ray Ray McLeod was you know, getting those sorts of receptions, like, you know, even if you just swapped Calvin Austin in last year for Ray Ray McLeod, mm-hmm. imagine what that offense would have would have done, particularly with Ben and showing, you know, throwing it quickly. And if you can get the screen game going, like, um, yeah, just incredible. But Andrew, I know that you've got to jump to record something exciting for the Steelers fix, um, which is awesome. So Steelers fans on the audio side can look out for that one. Um, but I really, we really enjoyed having you on um, today's show. It's good to talk with you. Um, hopefully we can collaborate in, a, in another BTC show or Mark and I will have to have you on um, in the draft process next year or what have you. But I really appreciate you joining um, the show today. It was, it was good to speak. Thank you so much. It was fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So live chat, uh, this is pretty interesting. So yes, as I mentioned earlier in the show today, uh, Mark is unwell and I think it was awesome and I really appreciate having Andrew Woolbar um, join us at, at some fairly short notice there. We've got some, you know, we've got some people that are, you know, tune in every week in the live chat right now. We've got with other people that make it when they can. It's Friday night in the US, you know, Eastern time. It's, you know, after 6 p.m. But I wanted to open it up to you guys for some Q&A. Um, sometimes Mark and I struggle to get through all the questions um, in, in, in shows, you know, when we're talking about different things that we, you know, sort of plan our, our, our talking points and what have you. But I want to open it up. You guys can ask me any sort of question you like about the Pittsburgh Steelers um, or anything sort of football <laughs> related. Um, if we go down the pizza podcast route that we did one time, I think Mark will be pretty disappointed, but I will take questions about game day food. Um, so please throw those questions into the into the live chat. I think Mark's in there, Steeler Nation Australia. He's said, thanks, Andrew, for filling in. I'm not crazy, just a little unwell. Yeah, mate, we hope you, your uh, throat gets gets a bit better. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I, I think to, while I wait for some questions in the live chat, I think, you know, as Andrew and I were talking about, there's definitely some interesting moments in the Steelers offseason so far. And ranking them is really hard um, at this stage of the offseason because there are things that we're not going to see the impact of till down the track. Like we'll know midway through the season, how Brian Flores's impact and stamp has been on this defense. We will know what, what Kenny Pickett's overall, you know, impact, what, how, how big an impact that moment was um, by the end of the season, whether he started games, whether he's won and lost games, whether he's thrown five interceptions, whether he's not started at all. Um, these are the things that we're going to sort of see as the season rolls on. 
Um, <laughs> Jerry Chobrand says it sounds like a Rod Thomas song. That's hilarious. Um, Mark puts in the live chat, did I grow a beard in two hours? No, but this is under three weeks. So, yes, it's getting it's getting thick. Um, but, you know, that's just the way it goes and I'm growing a beard for the winter and might look a bit Tomlin-esque with if, for those that are looking visually that has sort of the bit coming out for the chin. Um, but I haven't really decided how it's going to go, but it's not going to be – it will be sculpted at some point. I'm not going to be doing the Big Ben, um, you know, elbow injury – you know, recovery beard <laughs> from there. One of the other things, um, with an absence of questions in the live chat, one of the other things that I thought about when I was doing this list um, of impactful moments in the off season, and we talked about the loss of the loss of players. You know, that offensive line, and and I'm really glad that Andrew Wilbar brought it up. Is that offensive line needed some consistency? That offensive line needed to get younger. The fact that we were able to acquire a guy like James Daniels at, he's just about to go 25, I think it is. Um, you know, that experience, that quality, um, moved over to right guard last year and had some struggles early on. But then his PFF grade went from like a 70, 71 in weeks one to three to like a 75 um, by the end of the season. So it showed that adjustment regardless of what you think in PFF grades. But a jump of, you know, about five in PFF grades is a pretty decent jump um, from the blocking perspective. Um, so, you know, bringing a guy like that, bringing a guy with almost 50 games start of experience in Mason Cole does really shore up a, a inconsistent um, offensive line from last year and one that had a lot of change. We did have a question from Mark. So he's jumping in. This is cool. We kind of get to do the show in a weird way. Isn't the virtual world cool? Um, he says, okay, serious question. What is the most exciting aspect about the this 2022 season? Yeah, and that's a that's a great question, I think. I think the exciting aspect of 2022 and Mark, you and I have talked about this off air a lot is really around the Steelers as a Steelers fan, we're going through a refresh period, like a refresh period. And I say refresh, I don't say retool. I don't say rebuild because we're seeing potential future starters for five, 10 years at positions. We're seeing a change in methodology. You're seeing Mike Tomlin, you know, with the Steelers not having franchise quarterback in Big Ben. You've seen other changes at the coaching position. So it's a real refresh in my mind. And as Mark and I have talked about a number of times, and I think I've shared it on War Room, and I know I've mentioned it in, in touch on these touch down under shows. And that is often uh, Dave Schofield, Jeff Hartman, um, and Brian Anthony Davis will talk about, and particularly more Dave and Jeff with Ben. They were coming out of college. They were starting their early life. They've grown up. They've become fathers. They've got, you know, teenagers. And then now that Big Ben leaves. And so if you're someone that's, you know, not necessarily gone through that, you know, um, phase of life yet, um, or, you you know, you're probably like, you know, my age and in, in, in early 30s and below, this is a really cool time to refresh with a quarterback. This is a fun time. Like, you know, someone that's probably going to have kids in the next couple of years, you know, at the end of the na- that next, if, if it's Kenny Pickett, I'm never say, oh, I remember drafting, I remember doing all the, the, the podcasts about Kenny Pickett and then, you know, watching a retirement when they're a teenager. And you think about you, you mature with the team as it goes on. And the longer you support the team, the more errors you go with. We've got BTSC listeners and BTSC um, contributors that, you know, were there through that 70s and 80s period um, that remember, or, you know, and I mean that by early 80s, remember the 90s and the, and the close calls. So for me, 
the exciting aspect about this 2022 season is we have no idea what it's going to be. Um, and that's exciting. It's it's not comfortable. Um, and, you know, if we follow Mike Tomlin's, you know, thought process of being comfortable in the uncomfortable, we should be comfortable in the uncomfortable. We're the, one of the most winningest franchises in sports. We're one of the best franchises in the NFL, um, you know, that's from an objective point of view, not counting the fact that we're Steel fans and we know that they're the best, you know, franchise. I mean, they get Mark and I excited from the other side of the world and have done for, you know, almost two decades. So um, to me, that's what's most exciting um, about, you know, the, the Steelers coming into 2022. Brian Brown um, comments on that. He says the most exciting aspect, the fact that this de- defense has elite potential and I couldn't be more excited about it. Completely agree. And for me, that's why like Ogan Joby's got to be up there. Now, if he's not number one or number two on some of his list, he's got to be up there as an acquisition. Um, but equally, getting a guy like Liao, who for some people in January was a top 10 pick, we got him at like 89th overall. Um, incredible result there. So yeah, this defense is going to be awesome. They're going to be electric. Uh, <laughs> Mark brings up the question, would you rather be tackled by Debo Harrison, Harrison or a Najee truck? Or Najee truck me, sorry. Um, I'd rather be tackled by Debo, to be honest. I think, you know, I come from a rugby background. If you get trucked, it's a bit of an embarrassment. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I'd rather I'd rather be tackled by Harrison. I've been tackled by some big people before in my life. Um, that's also to assume that he, 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 you know, would catch whoever he's tackling as well. Like, he's getting old. He might pop the shoulder out as he's running through or something. Um, or do a knee. Now nah, he's pretty fit. He's a pretty fit guy. He's a pretty big guy. Um, but no, nah, I think Najee trucked me. I'd rather be squashed and have a um and be able to say I've got like a collapsed lung because I got hit by Debo Harrison um than being trucked by Najee. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be fun for me. Um Brian Brown brings up in the live chat and please shoot those questions through. We've got you know a good 10 to 15 minutes more where I can take some questions. Uh, Brian Brown says 1994 was heartbreaking. San Francisco lost one game that year at home to the Steelers, then that San Diego debacle. Completely agree. Um, funnily enough, when I was in the States last time, uh, the last time I was in the States in 2019, right before the pandemic, I went to the, the Buffalo Bills game. I think a lot of Steel fans, you know, BTC listeners know this one. Um, and I actually caught the plane from San Diego to Pittsburgh. We'd spent a week there. Um, about a week doing things like the Midway and doing the San Diego Zoo and the Safari Park. And it was like some, we weren't doing a lot of animal photography um, in our spare time. Uh, and on the plane, I sat next to this guy, right? The only other guy on the plane that was, uh, I found out later there were other people on the plane that were going specifically for the Bills game. But out of all the seats in the plane, the guy that sat next to me and, and, and my fiance was, he had a Steelers cap on, he had a Steelers jacket on, I'd seen him in the airport with a Steelers bag. Um, he didn't, he had no, normal sort of you know, slacks or, or chino pants on, um, but he had a Steelers t-shirt under the jacket. So, and I had a Steelers hoodie on. Um, and so we sat, we sat next to each other. So, and, you know, an older gentleman. And so about 10 minutes after we took, you know, we're in the air, I said to him, look, you know, I can't help but ask you're in all this Steelers gear. You're living in San Diego or like, what's the go? And he, and he was sharing with me that he'd grew, grown up in Pittsburgh and he'd moved over um 25 years beforehand but he always goes to a couple of big games and he'd circled that game in the in the in the bills for the bills to go watch it um and because he thought it would be a good game just like i had and uh yeah it was pretty cool to have a steelers fan um sitting next to you decked out in all the gear it made me feel at home all right marky d has a uh has a serious question 
How will Miles Jack impact the defense? That's a fantastic question because it was, you know, he was someone that was hard to leave off the list. Um, But that's also, I I left him off because I think Devin Bush can rebound. But Miles Jack is huge for this defense. Uh, He is a much better acquisition than Joe Schobert. He is going to be much more impactful than Joe Schobert was. I think he's can do more of that sort of Vince Williams style play at linebacker than what Joe Schobert did. And I think this defense is going to get really fast, really has gotten really fast, really quickly. The other thing about it is with the signing of Kazee, you can bring Terrell Edmonds into the box. And Mark, you have talked about for a couple of weeks now on this show around what Brian Flores did in that Ravens game. Holy cow. With the speed, if Devin Bush can get back to his best, Miles Jack bring Terrell Edmonds into the box and the pass rush that the Steelers already have. <laughs> this is going to be an awesome defense. Like it's just, Brian Brown said it earlier. You know, it's an elite. It's an elite defense, um, and it has elite potential. You just got to think that the, the thing that will the thing that will hurt the Steelers team overall. Um, you know, and Bettis was talking this week about how he felt the quarterback was the only question and they've got two good options there, but it's the only question about why they, you know, won't go deep into the playoffs and that they could surprise some teams. He said that this week in an interview. Is injuries. If the Steelers can stay away from injuries, the Steelers are going to be a red hot team um, this year. They're going to go really, really deep in the playoffs. They're going to prove that the doubt is wrong. I you know, Mark and I talk about it. We think they can win the AFC North. That's not a question. It's just a matter of putting it together. Uh, and when you look at the injury, the challenge that injuries pose, um, that that's the big risk. However, they've also improved in depth. I mean, Andrew Wilbur and I just talked about the wide receiver room. We talked about the offensive line. We can talk about bringing in Ogan Joby. A lot of us have talked about, you know, the mix. Um, Jeffrey Benedict did a great show, you know, a month or so ago around how loud are milk and Wormley, if you put them together, you'd have an awesome lineman, a defensive lineman, you know, Wormley great at the pass rush, loud milk better at run defense. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the Steelers have gotten better in, in a, a lot of different positions. You've heard Najee talk about the fact he won't be on the field the whole time. That just immediately makes you think of what are the sweeps they're going to do with, with Pickens and Claypool and Austin, you know, how are they going to inter- intertwine Freeman into the mix? Um, Freemuth is building a really good rapport with Kenny Pickett. He's been off at, tra- at the quarterback training camp with Kenny Pickett. That's a really good thing as well. You know, uh, Freemuth caught 60 out of 79 balls last year. That's plus 75%. You know, if Pickett does have to come in, if he's not starting, it's really helpful if he's got an affinity with a guy like Pat Freemuth. So um, all these things are really exciting. Mark, with the other question, so this is becoming firing off the questions, Marky D. I like it. I like it. Got a couple minutes more. Um, so he stills Nation Australia or Mark Davison. Mark D says, will Sutton play this big, big this year in 2022? I think he's going to have to um, because, again, it's like wide receiver. It's like offensive line. You're going to have players that, um, you know, they could be injuries. Let's let's be frank about it with, with, with the spoon um, or Wallace. And you need him to be able to step up. Those two can't do everything. You need to be able to spell them. I'm really, I, you know, love the Wallace um, acquisition. I still have questions about either of them as a number one. But Sutton, if you can have, you know, a guy like Cam Sutton as your third depth cornerback, that can also do stuff in, in, at the safety role if, if forced to as well, um, and allow a guy like Norwood to keep developing. Again, this is some really great depth. 
Um, and Sutton can, comes up with great interceptions in games sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll play big, um, but he's going to have to step up in those key moments as well. Uh, Brian Brown says, I'd probably watch more Miles Jack than anyone in this chat. Miles Jack is good against the run of the pass. Yeah, Brian, I've watched a lot of Miles Jack too. Um, you, you, might, you probably will have watched more. It's hard. I've got to keep across a lot of different things as well. Um, and it's not a competition anyway. If you watch more than him, I'll, I'll take your word for it any day. Um, but I, what I would say is that I've not really wanted to, I've not had the opportunity to contest too many people that I know I don't think Miles Jack can defend against the run. But I think that's a slight on Miles Jack. It depends what you're what you're asked to do, and he is. He, look at his frame. I think he's six four. He's like two thirty eight pounds, two forty two pounds. Um, he's bigger than Devin Bush. He can play that role if he's got to um, as well. So I really like it. The other thing I like, and I thought about this with some of the moves last season, and I do kind of back it up with some moves this season. The Steelers, you know. They've got versatility. They could play some, four, you know, some of the four-three formations now, and Miles Jack could be really valuable um, in some of those formations as well. So, uh, yeah, I think Miles Jack's incredible. Give a guy like that to Brian Flores, a guy that's experienced, a guy that doesn't have to learn how to be an NFL pro, just needs to get on the field and make plays and learn the playbook. Uh, I, <laughs> this is going to be so good, so good. Um, Brian Brown says, "Who's <laughs> Will Sutton?" Did I say Will Sutton? I know I definitely said a few Cam Suttons, um, but uh, my bad there. Uh, Mark Davison says, Miles Jack will turn into a true stealer real quick. Yeah, he just needs to lay a hit on. You know, he just needs to basically do a, a Robert Spillane smash someone, grab. I think it, I think the, the big play for him first is either going to be a fumble recovery from someone else, or I'm tipping it's actually going to be an interception. I think Miles Jack is gonna is is gonna end up with an interception. That's gonna be his big play outside of tackles for a loss. And this is why, um, you know, I think Brian, when you you know you know throw it in the live chat, Brian Brown. But you know, I think Miles Jack is is actually quite a good tackler. And through the last couple of years, I've done, heard a lot of interviews with um, Luke Keekley, and Keekley talks about the fact that linebackers should be focusing on the biggest that they should focus on is tackles for a loss because they kill drives. They put people back. They show versatility between run and the pass. Um, and a lot of the time that stat is just sort of forgotten or, or determined as being not as important. And in fact, actually, when you look at the analytics and statistics of games, it is in fact really important. Um, so from that perspective, I think that's something that Miles Jack can really bring to this linebacking room and this defense. Uh, Brian says, don't worry, Marky D. I keep calling Levi Wallace Levi Garrett because of that stupid chewing tobacco radio. <laughs> Robert says, Mark, did you take your medicine today? Um, I think Mark definitely would have had his, his cough syrup. But I think with that, we're going to wrap up this week's Steelers Touch Down Under. I'm Matty Peverell. I miss my co-host, Marky D, but very thankful to have Andrew Woolbar on the show on the audio side. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to the show back. Hope hope it works with this two-part format that we did this week. Look forward to joining you guys next week. Marky D and I will be, you know, hopefully back on deck um, with another exciting show. Look out for all the content coming from the Behind the Still Curtain family of podcasts, the network of podcasts, um, and, of course, great articles across BehindTheStillCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And in Mark's absence, I'll just say it, Ghost stealers. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live. 
for tomorrow.